We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. And tonight was round one of Andrew Wiggins versus the Minnesota Timberwolves. It wasn't exactly a heavyweight billing. Uh, Golden State was coming off of losing back-to-back blowouts against the Knicks and the Jazz. And the Timberwolves have gotten blown out in about half of their games this season. So even without D'Angelo Russell, uh, who was out with a bruised quad tonight... uh, this was a, wolf, a game the Wolves could compete in, um, but the result was another blowout. Uh, Warriors 130, Wolves 108. Uh, this, I feel like this this matchup, this Warriors-Wolves matchup, is more about their history, though, and that obviously dates back to when the Wolves selected both Ricky Rubio and Johnny Flynn over Steph Curry back in the day. Um, but that's not super relevant to the, the recent history, uh, as that's more of a David Kahn story that's kind of already been chalked up as an L uh, for the Wolves. Their more recent history, though, is is in the Gerson Rosas era. And that, you know, that date dates back to 2019 and the free agency pursuit of D'Angelo Russell. Um, it goes to the Wiggins-Delo trade at the 2020 trade deadline and then to the decision to select Anthony Edwards over James Wiseman in the 2020 draft a few months ago. So there is a lengthy history between these two teams, and on tonight's show we're going to we're eventually going to get into the details of the game, but I think the place to start is is with the involvement of these two, two teams over the, the past 12 months. So let's try and take some stock here at the top of the D'Angelo Russell, Andrew Wiggins trade here just about one year after the fact. And the place to start with all of that is about six months before the trade eventually went down. Um, Shortly before D'Angelo Russell boarded a helicopter in Southern California with Carl Anthony Towns 
and Gerson Rosas for a free agency pitch. Um, Russell had already agreed in principle to a four-year, $117 million max contract with Golden State. Um, as it was subsequently reported by The Athletic, the Wolves offered Russell a contract for about $10 million less than his max over the four years. So the difference was like a $28 million a year contract versus a $30 million a year contract. Uh, understandably, Russell took the extra $10 million a year, or $10 million total, even though he knew uh, that came with the possibility that he would eventually be moved before that deal finished. And obviously, that all came to fruition pretty quickly with Russell being traded to Minnesota at the deadline. And I think of that trade, of that deal, um, there are kind of three main parts that we can take stock of here on January 26th. And that is, one, the, the draft pick compensation that went out in the deal, in the Wiggins deal swap. Part two, um, Omari Spellman and Jacob Evans were involved in that as a salary dump, which seems small, but actually kind of has proven to have a little bit of meaning here uh, a year out. And then part three, just how Russell fits in Minnesota and how Wiggins has fit in Golden State. If you're looking for some of this laid out in writing, I, um, I kind of looked at Anthony Slater's he, he kind of did this through through the Warriors lens, but if you're looking kind of to parse some of these details more as I read them, check out his work over there at The Athletic. But let's start with this draft pick compensation. Um, functionally, Wiggins and Russell had matching salaries, so making a trade was about, trading them was about compensating the difference in the quality of the players. The Timberwolves deemed by making the trade that swapping Wiggins out for Russell was worth their 2021 first round pick they negotiated that that pick have a top three protection on it as i'm sure you're all familiar with at this point um otherwise if it if that protection does trigger this year then it becomes an unprotected first in 2022 so that means that golden state gets the wolves first uh that is you know being in, being billed in a very strong 2021 draft class unless the Timberwolves somehow land in the top three in the 2021 lottery in other words, it's very likely that Golden State will get the Wolves first this year. Because even if Minnesota finishes with the worst record in the league this season, the lottery odds dictate that it would still be a 60% chance that Golden State would get the pick. That's just how the flattened odds work now. But it also wasn't just a 2021 first that the Wolves traded. They also traded their 2021 second-round pick to Golden State in this trade. And I feel like that piece just often kind of gets brushed over. Obviously a second round pick isn't some jewel like the like the first round pick is but you know given that the 2021 class is supposed to be nice and because the wolves have a very bad record right now that is looking like it will be just about as valuable as seconds come and and we can actually put kind of a price tag on what that value is golden state's already traded that pick um they they traded that wolf second to oklahoma oklahoma city for kelly Ubre this offseason and Ubre hasn't been very good this year, but um, he is on a $14 million expiring contract. And, you know, he was a he was an attractive player to, to acquire this offseason. Um, but also it, it, it has value, you know, for them acquiring Ubre has value because they got Ubre's bird rights. And his bird rights are valuable. For those of you who don't know how bird rights work, uh, that just kind of means that the war Warriors can go over the salary cap um, to to bring Ubre back next year. If you have somebody's bird rights, you can do that. If Ubre was just a normal free agent next summer, Golden State wouldn't be able to sign him or a player of his 
caliber because they don't have cap space and they wouldn't have Ubre's incumbent, you know, bird rights. For Wolves purposes, that, you know, that's all, that all, the, all that other stuff is on the, the Ubre stuff is on the other side of the ledger, but the compensation to note is that they gave up a top three protected 2021 first and also a 2021 second. That is what the Wolves front office deemed was the difference between Wiggins's value to them versus Russell's value to them. So the question now is, you know, how does that look? And the answer is right now, probably worse than they thought, or at best, it looks like it's still to be determined in ways it, it looks worse because that 2021 pick is looking like it will be a better asset than previously anticipated. You know, that's a, that's a, product of just this 2021 draft class looking good and a product of the wolves having you know they have the second worst record in the nba right now so it it, the odds are even better on the other hand though you know through rose-colored glasses of the the whole to be determined angle you know there's still hope to be found in the fact that d'lo and cat they haven't really played together yet you know those two have only played in five games since russell got here a year ago once last year the first two games of this season, and then two games after Cat returned from his wrist injury. As we've been over, those two have never played three consecutive games together. So what the Wolves have to go off of right now when they're assessing you know, the quote-unquote fit of Russell with Cat is, is, are those five games, and then all else they have to really analyze are the other you know, 21 games that Russell has played as a Timberwolf last year and this year. He played 11 last year without Cat. And he's now played 10 games this year without Cat. This was interesting. I just looked this up before I started recording. And Russell's counting stats in in the five games with Cat that he's played with Cat are almost exactly the same as his 21 games he's played without Cat. In the five games with Cat, he's averaging 21.2 points per game. The 21 games without Cat, 21.0 points per game. Five games with Cat, 5.8 assists without Cat. 6.0 assists, turnovers with Cat, 3.2 per game, turnovers without Cat, 3.5. His two-point field goal percentage with Cat is 46% versus 47% without Cat. And the three-point percentages are almost the same too, 39% with Cat, 37% without Cat. So, you know, to some end, we can kind of anticipate that, you know, that is who Russell is. That would make the statistical argument would make sense there, you know, but the, the, the question more so is what, what is this going to look like in a bigger than five game sample with cat? Like they're two and three in those five games so far. And we, we don't really know what it's going to look like over 15 or 25 games. I mean, you can use those numbers to assume, but you know, if we do use the rosiest colored glasses, you know, this, there is the chance that it that the D'Lo and Cat playing together gets progressively better over time as those two play more and more together. You know that's certainly what the Timberwolves front office is betting on. That's really the only way to kind of justify the pick compensation at this point. Wiggins, on the other hand, is producing at a at a very similar level to what he did in Minnesota. You know his numbers this season. Um, from uh, similarly, just the counting stats are almost identical um, to you know to his Wolves days, and really, if you if you just kind of line it up, they're almost the exact same as the 2017-18 season 
when Wiggins was the third option behind Towns and Butler um, because, you know, he's kind of back in that offensive role again in Golden State. You know, it's a few less shots per game from his career-long averages, which leads to a few less points per game. His two-point shooting numbers are almost identical. And thus far, you know, this year, he is shooting a lot better from three. In Golden State, he's made 40% of his threes so far, obviously, you know, very much at the, you know, at the beginning of the year, but 40% is a lot better from three than what he was shooting in Minnesota. But the real difference with Wiggins is his defense. I mean, he's not only looked a lot better on that end in Golden State, but he's he's really starting to look like he's a defense. He's like a, a difference maker on that side of the floor. And that's that's meaningful for a team that, you know, as it's currently constructed, is kind of struggling overall defensively. I would think we saw it tonight a little bit with three blocks and three steals, and you can just see that he's, when engaged, an overall solid defensive player at all three levels. I mean, Wiggins has now played 29 games for Golden State, and it's just hard to say anything other than that he looks like a lot better of a fit there than he did in Minnesota. So even without the draft compensation, from Golden State's perspective, the Wiggins for D'Lo swap appears to be a win on their end. And then on the Wolves' end, you know, is D'Angelo Russell a better fit? Probably, but again, a lot of that is is yet to be determined. There is the one more factor, and that's the Spellman and Jacob Evans factor that that kind of does come into this from the from the Wolves' side and and from the Warriors too. I mean, it seems small that the Warriors' salary dumped Amari Spellman and Jacob Evans on the Wolves in the trade, but it, it really isn't. I mean, by dumping Spellman and Evans, the Warriors were able to duck the luxury tax last season. And that's a big deal for them, you know, moving forward as they are now not a repeater taxpaying team this season, which, you know, would have come with additional restrictions, including just a massive luxury tax bill this year. And on the other end of the equation, it it pushed the Wolves, you know, taking on Spellman and Evans pushed the Wolves into being in the luxury tax last year. Now, that isn't as big of a hindrance for the Wolves as it was a benefit for the Warriors to duck it because the Wolves aren't currently a repeater team. That's where it really becomes costly when you're when you're consistently in the tax for, you know, three out of four years. But at the same time, by by going into the tax last year, like the Wolves offseason did appear to have some soft sort of limitations that would, you know, make it so they couldn't go into the luxury tax. I mean, the Wolves did not use any of their mid-level exception this offseason, in part because know doing so would have pushed them into the tax again this year and even without using their mid-level the wolves are still just three million away from the luxury tax line they just have a really expensive roster and it's only three million away because it should have been even less but the wolves waived ronda hollis jefferson before the season i mean part of not rostering hollis jefferson you know who pretty clearly would have helped in these first 16 games it was about not being so close to the luxury tax line, leaving them, you know, flexibility to be able to to make other moves with, you know, with that provision of the luxury tax sort of lingering. And, you know, had the Wolves not paid the tax last season by taking on Spellman and Evans, then, you know, walking that tightrope with Hollis Jefferson, you know, that would have been more palatable. Additionally here, Spellman and Evans continue to factor in because the Wolves had to pay a 2024 second-round pick to send them to New York this fall for Ed Davis. So really, for the Wolves, they not only traded the 2021 first, the 2021 second, but also a 2024 second 
in order to land D'Angelo Russell for Andrew Wiggins. And that's a that's a hefty price to have paid. I mean, paying that price is, is not unjustifiable, but the, the justification can really only be seen through those rose-colored glasses. So that's the information. I mean, trades like this are, you know, like analyzing them kind of lies in the eyes of the beholder, right? Whether that's the Warriors, the Wolves, or just fans. I mean, you can take stock of the move however you like, you know, as we sit here one year removed and you use your own lens. But for me, I, I lean more toward thinking it's definitely a win for the Warriors on their end. And then it has a chance to also be a win for the Wolves. But again, at best, that portion for the Wolves is to be determined. All right, enough of that. Let's let's get into the part of the podcast that the Wolves definitely lost, which was tonight's basketball game. But first, let's take a quick break. What's up, everybody? We have something to tell you about here at Blue Wire, and that is that we love sports betting. And whether you've been betting for a while or you're thinking about getting started, we want to let you know uh, great resources for sports bettors, and that's the Action Network. The Action Network is where sports fans go to bet smarter and experience real financial gains. In fact, their Action Network app was recently named the best app in sports betting. And with an Action Network Pro subscription, you can unlock the very best of the app. When you sign up, for an Action Pro, Action Network Pro subscription, you can access the Pro Report, which includes expert projections for every game. You can see money and bet percentages on every game. You can see the teams professional gamblers are betting on. You can take advantage of Pro Systems, which match winning historical betting trends with the latest games and lines. You can track every bet you make and get alerts in real time. So if you're looking to bet smarter... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. An Action Network Pro subscription is the way to get started. And for a limited time, our listeners can receive 50% off an annual Pro subscription. Just go to ActionNetwork.com and receive 50% off an annual subscription when you use the code MORE50, M-O-O-R-E-5-0. This offer won't last, so go to actionnetwork.com to sign up for a pro subscription and use promo code MORE50 to receive 50% off and start betting smarter today. All right, let's start before the game where Steve Kerr, interestingly, announced that he would be moving James Wiseman to the bench. Wiseman had started the first 16 games of the season for the Warriors, 
And Kerr said uh, in his pregame media availability that moving Wiseman to the bench was about improving the Warriors' defense. The Warriors had been kind of struggling on that end. They needed more defense this year. Coming into two tonight, they ranked 18th in the league in defense. And, I mean, if you just take that on the surface, that seems like a pretty major indictment of Wiseman. I mean, who was a player that was drafted to be someone who had the potential of being a defensive player of the year. But with Wiseman, you know, similar to what we've experienced in Minnesota with Anthony Edwards, it's it's very clear that these rookies' theoretical ceilings are just very far from being realized. As much as Wiseman hasn't been helping Golden State thus far, like Edwards hasn't been helping the Wolves offensively this season. If you if you include tonight, Edwards is five of fourteen shooting performance. I mean. Over these last seven games, Edwards has shot 7 of 28 from 3 and 13 of 55 from 2. That's that's 25% from 3 and 24% from 2. And, I mean, that's why he's coming off the bench. And it's why bringing him off the bench has made sense all season. And, yeah, I, I before the game tonight, I asked Ryan Saunders about, about that decision and just kind of how they've assessed the move to make – Anthony Edwards, a bench player for the Wolves this year. Uh, Ryan, Steve Kerr just said that uh, he's going to make a starting lineup change and bring James Wiseman uh, off the bench now. And I was, I was curious, just in in now your fourteen games with Ant, how how you kind of approached that process with him with him as a coaching staff of of deciding to have him be a guy who comes off the bench and if it's, if yeah. it's how it's worked. Yeah, um, yeah, no, and it's a good question because. You know, I think a lot of times people people look, you know, way too, way too hard into starting lineups and, um, you know, what happens and when guys come in. But, uh, you know, this is we know this is a unique year. And, um, you know, if, if you stay true to the process of of wanting to make sure the, the individual, um, you know, has growth and, and is able to able to grow, um, you're, you're going to, to do what's best for him. And we explained explained to Ant, you know, hey, it's we think it'd be better, better for you right now. Um, you know, coming off the bench, let, letting you see the game, um, you know, the game go for a few minutes here. Uh, and then, you know, some of the guys, this is what we, we've needed him to do. You know, some of the guys that he's playing with um, as well, uh, you know, give, give that group a little more offensive firepower. Uh, you're, you're probably able to handle the ball a little bit more there too. We want to see that, that continue to develop in your game. Um, and then, you know, continue to progress as, you know, we, we look into the other intangible aspects besides the scoring, besides the shooting, playing transition, you know, the defense, um, the rebounding, uh, you know, all those, those little things that, you know, I've, I have felt like a guy like Ricky um, can, can help him with too. This is the tricky part of having a rookie who was the top pick on your roster for both Minnesota and for Golden State. I mean, both of these teams, it, it's the rare kind of situation where they were the number one and number two picks, but they're trying to, they're trying to win this year to varying degrees. I mean, Golden State, because they're coming up, you know, towards the end of Steph Curry and Draymond Green's, Draymond Green's primes. And, for Minnesota, you know, for the draft pick reasons we laid out, they are not incentivized to have a losing record this year. And, I mean, oftentimes rookies contribute to that. Like, in the aggregate, odds are you're – I mean, you're not getting a player who is a clear contributor to winning in their first year. And because of that, there's this balance of needing to find ways to maximize the times those players are contributing to winning, minimize the ways – they're contributing to losing all at the same time while trying to develop them, you know, along the way. What 
we're seeing this with all the top rookies right around the league. Like in this weird COVID season, almost every team is bringing their rookie off the bench. And, you know, I, I think, I think that's been kind of something to process this year for the Wolves with Anthony Edwards, but I think it's making more and more sense as we, you know, get a better idea of what Edwards' strengths are and, you know, what his weaknesses are as the season goes along. And as the season goes along, you know, that when when he's playing, when Wiseman is playing, you know, it's going to lead to some special plays like the dunk Edwards had tonight on James Wiseman. Here was Ant uh, in, in his post game asked about the dunk and, and answered in a way that, of course, only he could answer. And what just to be able to kind of get loose and, and throw down a dunk like that, I mean, what did it feel like? Oh, what you mean? Your dunk in the first half? In the, you said what it feel like? Yeah, yeah. I mean, ain't like it's my uh, first time doing something like that. So, you know, it's regular to me. I was just happy to get a lane for real, for real. I ain't really got too many clear lanes like that. But other than that, you know, I'm pretty athletic, so it wasn't shocking. What um, you, you guys were able to close the gap to about 10, 8 points several times throughout the game. What made it just tough to kind of close the final gap and get over the hump there? Uh, I mean, Steph Curry, that's all. <laughs> that's all uh, I mean, shit. Steph. He came, he came in the game and scored like 12 points straight by itself. So that was that was the difference. Cause we 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 brought it down. We came back, we fought back. And then, you know, he just extended the game, made it even harder. Well put. I mean, Steph currently Steph Curry certainly did make it harder tonight. I mean, for the Wolves playing without D'Angelo Russell, uh, they were really at a disadvantage at the point guard position. I mean, obviously that's the case against Steph and Golden State for every team, but it was particularly glaring tonight. I mean, Steph had 36 on 7 of 12 shooting from deep. And, you know, on the other side of the ledger, Ricky Rubio struggled pretty massively. I mean, after Rubio played his probably his best game of the season against the Pelicans on Saturday, you know, tonight was one of his worst. Rubio did, I mean, the stat sheet, look at it. He, he did have 11 assists, so he wasn't a complete zero, but but he was one of eight from the field. Um, it wasn't it wasn't crisp, you know, like it like it was in the game against the Pelicans. And and really, you felt it when when Rubio would drive and kind of get in two point range, and he was kind of forcing up shots that don't have a good chance of going in. You know, Rubio was one of seven from two point range tonight, and and we're starting to see that this inability to score at the rim, not only for Rubio but also for D'Lo this season become a pretty serious problem for this team given how their offense is is structured and I, I read a good article today by Joel Joel Holbert um, on the Wolves offense and and it kind of highlighted all this and and also referred to the fact that is just true that you know D'Lo is a two-level scorer and, and what that means is that you know D'Lo is a shooting threat for sure with the ball in his hands whether that be from three-point range or from the mid you know from the mid-range but he's not a threat, you know, at the rim. And this is even more true for Rubio, who isn't really a scoring threat at any level. But it, what, what is particularly impactful is, is the rim area there, and both Rubio and Russell's inability to put any real pressure on the rim, you know, it's an, it's an issue. And, and to some extent, it's not even on them. It's, it, it is the, the system put together, you know. Neither Rubio nor Russell have ever really had that 
be a defining part of their games. You know, the the prop this this problem is going to continue because even when Cat's back, the the Timberwolves offense is very reliant on their ball handlers, you know, creating out of pick and rolls. And are not as an offense, like when you're running a bunch of high ball screens, like you need to be able to put pressure on the rim because if defenses know the ball handler isn't a threat to attack all all the way, you know, they can load up and they can defend the pick and roll more aggressively. That loading up, we, we've seen that happen against D'Angelo Russell where it they're just forcing the ball handler into needing to shoot from the mid-range more often and, you know, even pressing up on those mid-range shots, making them more difficult, like the difficult version of mid-range shots. And that's been the real, the one problem. I mean, Delos had a pretty good overall offensive season, but that's been the problematic thing for him offensively is being forced into taking very difficult mid-range shots. You know, in a system that is reliant on the drive and kick, it's it's just important that the drive is actually a threat. What I thought was interesting tonight was that we could see what that's supposed to look like from Jordan McLaughlin. I mean, Rubio was 0 for 4 at the rim tonight, but Jordan McLaughlin made six of the 10 shots he took in the lane. And, I mean, J-Mac can just do the drive part of the driving kick. And that's why he, when you watch Jordan McLaughlin play, I mean, he looks like the best fit within this system at the point guard position, you know, when he's playing. Not that he's the best point guard, obviously not, but he does fit the system best. I asked J-Mac postgame about, you know, what getting all the way to the rim opens up for the Wolves within their system. Jordan, 10 of your uh, 12 shots tonight came in the, the paint, and I'm curious what you feel, whether it's you or Ricky or D'Lo, when, when kind of the point guard can score at all three levels. What does that open up when you also have, you know, actions coming from you guys at the, at the rim area? I mean, it opens up a lot of stuff for us. Uh, that's our game is drive and kick. So you want to drive, uh, drive to the rack. If you got the shot, take it. And if you don't have the drive, you know, look for the late pass to the big or kick out to the corner. So with all three of us being able to, you know, drive and kick and score at three levels, it, uh, it allows for our offense to open up the way we want it. J-Max being a little kind there by saying, you know, all three of them can score at all three levels. I mean, that isn't really the strengths of Rubio and Dilo. I mean, Really, J-Mac is the only consistent threat at the rim of, of the three of them. And that, again, that's not to say that D'Lo and Rubio aren't threat in other areas. I mean, obviously, Russell's the most dynamic threat off the bounce to pull up from three or to pull up from mid-range. I mean, those are weapons for him. And then that finding the big that J-Mac was talking about or finding you know the drop-off, the kick-out, that's something Rubio has proven to do well. But none of the three point guards do all three of those things well, at a high volume at least. And really, the only player in the roster who does that at all is Malik Beasley. I mean, he is a three-level scorer at the guard position. And, you know, he's a weapon on the perimeter. He's a threat to pull up and also, you know, has shown the ability to finish consistently there. But the problem with running more of that through Beasley is that doing so, you know, relegates D'Lo or Rubio off ball, where they've shown that they are even less comfortable. There's a balance to be struck there. I mean, I, I watched this Wolves game tonight, and I, I think about, all right, well, Beasley's, you know, Beasley's the best option. Can we, you know, can we make it so that he was 10 of 17 from the field? Can we make that 27 shots? And that's kind of the, you know, that's kind of the, the crux is that there's kind of this cap on what Beasley has, you know, the freedom to do because the ball is only in his hands 
so often. So I, I don't know that it's a, we, we talk about this theoretically elite Wolves offense eventually when Cat gets back. There's a lot of these sort of things on the margins that, you know, that need to be maximized so as to have that maximum effectiveness. If they're going to be an elite offense when Cat's in the fold, you know, this is just being able to be dynamic at all three levels is, is, a, is a critical part of the equation. All right, it's late. That's all I've got for tonight. Um, same two teams back at it Wednesday, again at Chase Center. It seems unlikely that Cat or Wancho will be back for that one. Uh, there's been no update on either of their statuses, so I think we have at least a few more days with those two out of the mix. Jared Culver, Culver appeared to hurt his foot in tonight's game, so the Wolves may be without him. Uh, D'Angelo Russell's quad, Bruce Quad, also remains relatively ambiguous, so I guess he's a maybe for that game too. But no matter who they have, I mean, it's going to be a similar group to tonight, and to have a different result is going to be about better execution. Uh, you know, finding ways to capitalize when Golden State leaves them in these games. Like, this Golden State team is no longer like a step-on-your-neck in the third quarter team like they used to be. They leave, as we saw tonight, like they'll leave the door open for you. So we'll, we'll see if the now 4-12 and 12 Timberwolves, you know, they can take advantage of that so this record doesn't, you know, become increasingly lopsided before Cat gets back. Until then, I will be back um, after Wednesday night's game. I'll talk to you then. I'm Dane. Peace out. Feeling man, I hope it never stop, yeah Greening hearts so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you dancing like nobody